Hello and welcome to the Everyday Adventure Podcast. My name is Nikki Bass and I will be bringing you thoughts and ideas and hopefully some inspiration on how to build more adventure into your everyday life. So today it's an absolute pleasure to welcome Lorette Hudson to the show. Lorette is an entrepreneur, she's an executive and business coach, she's an international speaker and the founder of One Hand Can't Clap, which she set up in 2000 to address underperformance in schools and to improve productivity in the workplace. She is also the lead curator for an annual event which aims to bring together people to celebrate African and Caribbean cultures. So Lorette and I were introduced by a mutual connection, the wonderful Joyce Osei, who appeared in one of my previous episodes of the show. And after an initial conversation which lasted about an hour and a half, I knew I had to get Lorette onto the podcast. And it's always a pleasure to talk to a fellow coach around issues such as getting outside of your comfort zone, trying new things, breaking down those barriers, and how you start to perceive yourself as somebody who can achieve what it is that you want to do. So it's these sort of topics that we're going to be discussing in this episode. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to Lorlette. Lorlette, welcome to the show. My first question is really, what inspired you to set up your business? Where did, when did you decide to be a coach and where did that idea come from? Well, first, um, Nikki, you know, thank you for the opportunity to share. In 2000, well, I've been doing a lot of guidance and careers and advising working universities, working with students over a long period of time. And I see the same thing happening, not knowing where to go, not taking ownership of education. So what inspired me is to show young people what's possible, what actions to take and give them access. Because I think the education system sometimes is not clear why they're in school and taking that kind of opportunity to learn and to grow. You know, for some young people, if they have role models or they see people that look like them or understanding how the system works, then I think they value education more. Unfortunately, some young people don't value education and where they find themselves is just something to do. So I decided to leave full-time employment and step out and teach young people what's possible. My experience show them how to navigate themselves around standing how the world works. And one of the biggest things is about taking ownership, taking ownership for their own education. So my first attempt was to work in schools with young people and um, look at breakfast clubs, a leadership breakfast club. I'm passionate about leadership. And so for me, it's not a conversation which the everyday person talk about leadership. I was running a workshop a few weeks back and I asked, you know, who in here see themselves as a leader? And it's interesting, out of 30 people, I think only about three or four actually put their hand up and said, yes, I'm a leader. Mm. Now, these are executives who are doing great things, but not really saying, well, majority of them were women anyway. So they didn't really see themselves or have any conversation to say that they are leaders. And I think. If you don't see yourself as a leader who's got a vision and take ownership and make a difference, then I don't see what the future is going to be for you as an individual, because leadership is about making a difference. 
and changing the world and doing things. And so I thought to myself, I need to teach these young people how to think as a leader. So that's what's inspired me and continued to inspire me 20 years later. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's so interesting, isn't it? What you say about that, how it's how people see themselves, not even what they're doing, but do you see yourself in this role? Do you see yourself in that position? And I know it's something that, you know, I talk about a lot on this podcast. It's the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. I am this person who can take on these different adventures. And like you said, it's that confidence that makes a difference in seeing yourself in that place too. So you've been working in this area for about 20 years now. So you must have seen some of the common things come up over the years. And I'm just wondering, what are some of those, I guess, common barriers that people experience when they're wanting to try something new and get started? I think it's a continuous right through, as you said, there is a thread around how do I see myself? What stories was I told when I was at school? And there is a common story and a common thread. My teacher told me this. You know, black people don't do this kind of thing. Women don't do these kind of things. And so that whole perception that there's only certain people are allowed to do certain things, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, a boy or whatever it is, I think there's this perception and it's followed through all the way through around the stories that people have been told. There's always somebody that told them something and then they believe it that it's not possible. So there is a common trade around that. And I believe it's important to have, you know, representation. Because mm. unless you see people doing what you want to do and have mentors and coaches to actually guide you and develop you in that sense, I mean, where do you get this information from? No, that's absolutely true. And and like you say, it's it's where we get those stories from in the first place. Like you mm. said, Some of it comes internally and through our own sense of confidence, but it's also about what we see, what we hear, what people tell us. And that all goes into our own sense of understanding of what's possible for us as well. So I guess on that basis, it might be, must be quite challenging at times trying to change that narrative for people. I mean, what are the, some of the things that you've seen really work for people to, to get past that? I always say you can't do what you can't see. You know, that's, my mantra, you really can't do what you can't see. And if you're not able to see it, then it's a challenge, you know. And as much as you might say to a young person, or even the older, the midlifers, as I call them, you know, so I went from working with young people to work with midlifers. So that's two different transitional stages. So they would have gone through the education system. They would have been in jobs for about 30 years, trying to get to the next level in terms of corporate and get frustrated, you know, and then they have to make that decisions. Do I continue knocking my head against a brick wall and not getting promoted? Or do I leave and then set up my own business? So that's really a great transitional for them. And then that comes down to the story as well, you know, and I always say, you can't do what you can't see. So let's start looking at what's possible. So it's always in that position of, showing people what's possible and sometimes it's not easy for them to believe that and imagine you've been working for the last 30 years and haven't really understand how to navigate yourself to get promoted for whatever reasons and then after a while you believe it's not possible yeah you know it comes back to that other point around what's personal and what's within our control and what's part of a system that like you said that a lot of people find that they're caught up in a system where even if they try 
their hardest or do you know what they feel is the right thing to do that that the odds or the the system is stacked against them in certain ways one of the reasons I want to speak to you today because I know you're about to embark or you've been about to embark on a, a new adventure of your own recently by setting up a retreat for leaders out in Jamaica and I just wondered if you wanted to tell us a little bit more about where the idea came from and what's your ambition with it what what are you looking to achieve okay so my clients are midlifers so they between the age of 35 to 60 upwards my oldest clients being 70 you know she was a nurse and then she retired but didn't have a plan in terms of what she's going to do afterwards so my plan is that they would come and spend a week in a space where there's no interruption, totally be with themselves and come up with a strategy of what is it they want to create. As I said, many of them have been in corporate and they reach a stage where they're actually saying to themselves, this no longer for me. You know, I have been trained to do this. The workplace is changing. The future of work is changing. I now have to look at my own skills and what can I create with that? I mean, they might decide to become gardeners they might decide it to be creative writers. They might decide it to run workshops. They might do floristry. Anything that they've always wanted to do. So they would come out for a week and that's what we would actually do. And I think there's a market for it because here you are in transition. You can't do it alone. You need somebody to help you to chisel that down and have an action step of where you're going to go. So imagine that you are being in corporate You've got made redundant, you've got money. So you might be 50, it's very young. So what are you going to do? So it's about looking at what's my next career? What's my next chapter? Where am I going to go? And be with a group of individuals. There's like a mastermind group who hold you accountable. So they'll work with me for a year. The retreat would be the first introduction. And then they would work with me for a year to make it become a reality. So somebody's holding them accountable for what they say they want to do. So that's the idea of why I decided to do it. So I know retreats are often something that people have on their wish list, particularly when they start a business and something that they really like to get running, but there can be quite a lot of challenges that come with it. And I was just wondering, what are the sort of challenges that you've encountered yourself in getting set up? I think COVID, no one expected no. that, you know. And yes, I mean, my number is 10. Mm. And I've got seven people book up for it. And I haven't really marketed it, just word of mouth, you know, mm. in terms of having conversation with people. And I think we've already had clients who have worked with you and trust you. It makes it easier, you know. So my challenge, it's not knowing how it's going to go, you know, in that <laughs> sense. So that's my biggest challenge, mm. not knowing how it's going to go and then see what the first one's going to be like and take it from there. So, mm. yes. And because I have done retreat before in England, in Oxford, some of them have been on these retreats with me. So, so my biggest problem at the minute, and I suppose it's my own fear, how is it going to go? And am I going to be effective in that sense? But that's just a fleeting thought. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take that on too much. I don't know for the second one. I mean, it's exciting. I've got, as I said, seven people booked up. So let's see. Fantastic. And it's so interesting, isn't it, that in a way that the challenges you face as hosting a retreat are probably some of the same challenges that those coming on the retreat have too, that sort of uncertainty yeah, around what, 
yeah what's it going to be like so it's almost sort of mirroring those experiences yeah um, and the good thing is I've got two facilitators supporting me from the UK one from Jamaica so we will um have a, somebody who is familiar with Jamaica because some of the um activities will be case studies to go and visit two or three okay. different businesses so for example personal branding Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee is one of the most expensive coffee in the world and my my thing will be taking them there to find out why is it so expensive you know and and get them okay. to look at that is it the soil is it the mountain what is it that causes this coffee to be so expensive and if they apply that to their own personal branding as well then we will see where we go with that that's such an interesting concept, I think, of actually having the, the live case studies there as well and having, yeah, getting people to really experience it. That sounds brilliant. So assuming hopefully that everything settles down and, and you can run it, what's the next step after that? I mean, have you got any thoughts about where you'd like to go in future? What other adventures you'd like to go on? I think for me, grow the business and expand it. You know, I mean, it's been 20 years and it's coaching mentoring and having those conversations and this particular property it's 250 years old so it sits in its own grounds and so it's got a lot of history to it Mm. so one of the things I might consider doing you know not might I'm considering doing it's where people can come and do bird watching you know and walk around the property and also run workshops for creative people like artists. You know, they would come and be there and do that thing. So it's a great space to not just do the retreat for my clients, but other people could hire it out as well mm. in that sense. So that's another form of income. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. So I suppose my final question, it's one I ask all of my all my podcast guests, which is around... If you have one piece of advice, if somebody's listening to this and thinks, you know, either I would love to set up my own retreat or start my own business, or actually there's an idea that I've got and I just want to get started, but something's holding me back. What advice would you give them? My thing would be everything started out from a desire. You know, you really have a desire to do something. I mean, one of the things I have a desire for to set up a floral shop because I love flowers, you know, so there's a possibility Mm. there for me. It's a desire, you know, to see, because I love flowers. And so for me, it would be great to, one of the things I'm going to embark on is a floral course, you know, how to design flowers and everything. Might never use it, but passion's there. So my advice to anyone, find something that you're really passionate about because if and when, things become quite challenging if you're not passionate about it you'll give up Mm. it's been 20 years for me and it's because I'm really passionate about people's development you know one of the greatest joy for me is to see one of my clients come to me not clear so for example you know this lady she had concern around money and now her business is turning around so well so her focus was more around I'm going into business to make money and so I coach her that first and foremost, really find a problem. What problem is it? You know, she does health and safety in the workplace. And I said to her, you know, solve people's problems and they will pay you. So don't be concerned around the money. You know, find out 
how they stop, what is the problem that they're having around health and safety. And because she helped this one company really got clear around what they need to do on infrastructure, then they then refer her to other people and then her business just boomed. So she stopped focusing on wanting to make money and really focus on the problems that they were having and then solve the problem, become known as a problem solver. And that's how she grow her business. So find one thing that you're passionate about, go for it. If you don't have a passion for it, if you don't have a desire for it, don't even consider it. That's wonderful advice. And and yeah, I think there's something there you were saying, you know, around not just focusing on, on the end result as well. Well, I want the, the, the money or I want the actual goal, but also part of it being that journey, because when you're passionate about something, you're embracing all of it and you you know you're willing to go with that journey as well the end result in a way might might not be necessarily what you thought you wanted anyway but yeah no that that is amazing and I think yeah that I mean that passion very clearly comes through and everything you've talked about today I think when we talk about role modeling and and talking about you know being able to listen to people who are genuinely passionate about what they do I think it makes such a difference to people as well being go okay it's possible. Mm. It's possible to do something I love and and to, to make it my career or to make it my, but whatever it is, I can, you know, it's worth going on that adventure. That's amazing. Thank mm. you so much, Lolette, for your time today. I've really appreciated it. And that's so much fantastic advice. Um, if we want to find out more about what you do or your retreat, where can we go? Yeah, go to the website, onehandcontclub.co.uk. So all the information is there about me and Yes, thank you so much for the opportunity. I love to share my work because I think it's make a difference because I know that when I was starting out, you know, it's great to hear what other people are doing and that's where the inspiration comes from. Mm -hmm. We need to see other people are doing the things that we would like to be doing and then emulate. Absolutely. No, that is so true. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much. And for putting up with the tech issues as well. I really appreciate it. Um, And yeah, I hope to speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. So apologies for some of the sound quality and tech issues in that recording. I did consider going back to Lawlette to ask her to, to do it all over again. But then I felt we would probably lose some of the quality of what she was saying. And hopefully it didn't interfere with your enjoyment in any way. I wanted to pick up on the point she made about having a passion for what you do. And whilst I think it's not always essential in every job or in every situation, and sometimes we have to do things that we clearly don't have a passion for, um, for mine it's accounting, (laughs) there are always the aspects of, of whether it's our roles or even the adventures we go on. That in the moment we think, you know, that this is really not the fun bit, whether it's the logistics of organizing something or whether it's all the stuff you have to put into place if you've got a huge adventure, you know, the fundraising that goes into it. But if we have a genuine passion for what it is we're trying to achieve for the purpose of what we're trying to do, that is a really important point of our resilience and our ability to manage through challenging circumstances. And I think that's something that Lawlette brought out really clearly. You're always going to hit bumps in the road and you're always going to have challenges and that might be whether it's a physical adventure you go on or you know starting a new career or anything that you're looking at doing but actually if you've got at your core a really strong sense of purpose of what you are doing and how you are trying to make a difference that can carry you through so much of the difficult times and I think that comes through quite clearly in a lot of the guests I've spoken to that because they have their purpose at the center of what they're doing 
everything else is driven with that in mind. And that helps create a foundation that enables them to keep going when things get tougher. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. As always, please do get in touch. I'm on Instagram, Resilience at Work. You can join the Everyday Adventure Club on Facebook. As always, please do reach out to me if you'd like to comment or if you'd like some help in setting up your own adventure. I'd be very happy to help with that too. Otherwise, I look forward to speaking to you again next week when I'll have another adventure for you to listen to. All right, speak to you then. Bye. Thank you.